0: Hey ladies and gents, and welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. As always, I'm your host, Jared Weich, and also, as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Dominic Orlando.
1: This episode is brought to you by ChapStick. (laughs) That's the brand, actually, I'm learning, and ChapStick is not the actual thing.
0: It's like uh, uh, Kleenex, right? Kleenex, Kleenex situation, yeah.
1: Just now realizing it. (laughs) Cheers.
0: Cheers. First episode of the new year. Been a while. Might be a little rusty. Haven't podcasted in a while. Glad to be back at it like a bad habit. Got Plenty to talk about over the holiday. Some game delays, some game dates. We got a ton of news regarding Lucasfilm and their properties. And um, some smaller news in the industry too that won't necessarily be of a big spotlight until probably a couple of years from now, maybe a year from now. Anyways, let's get into this as always Dom. Uh, Let's start with new dates. As of recording this, we're recording on January 14th. Pokemon Snap, new Pokemon Snap, rather, got a release date. It's coming April 30th, 2021. I'm super excited. Anybody who's listening to this podcast understands how big of a Pokemon fan I am. People have been wanting a new Pokemon Snap forever. The Wii U first seemed like a really good system for that sequel to happen, right? You have the nice little touchpad, take pictures. With the Switch, you have the same thing. We talked about this uh, probably beforehand, and I... I had mentioned to you that I think it's going to be a fun game. I don't think it's going to be a good game because the way Pokemon Snap facilitates, it's not really built to be a well-reviewed game, right? It's like you go from area to area, try experimenting and knocking Pokemon into like a lava pit or something and seeing what happens. Um, the cool thing I am excited for though, Dom, is my niece got a Switch for Christmas. And I think this is a game I'm going to get her as like her entry into Pokemon because she's like five six. And I don't think that's old enough yet to play like a mainline Pokemon game. I still think it's a little beyond her. So I was thinking Sorry. of getting
1: her Let's Go. Um, you said she's like five six, and because we talk about football so much, and I, I heard like you know five foot six. Oh inches, yeah! Like, wow, your niece is tall. I guess. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> five or six year old, five six sense.
0: foot. Yeah, no, she's five or six. I can't remember her exact age. Um, but I think this is going to be a really cool entry point for her, and I'm excited to get into it too. I've wanted to play Pokemon Snap. I know you're not a big Pokemon guy anymore, uh, but did you ever play Snap on the 64?
1: Do you have memories of that? No, that was one that I remember a buddy of mine had it and we messed around with it a little bit, but we never, we didn't understand how it worked. We were like, we were too young and we were like, you know, we were playing like Mario and Zelda and like game, you know, action games. So we were like, what do you mean? This is all you do is take pictures. And we couldn't figure it out. It was like (laughs) one of those things. (laughs)
0: That's so funny because I had the opposite experience of when I tried to play, I think it was Majora's Mask on the 64. I didn't know what the hell was going on. I didn't know what I was doing. And I didn't own the game. Yeah. Um, But I'm excited for it. I don't know if you remember, if you're too young to remember Blockbuster, I don't think you are too young. When they had the machine, the Pokemon Snap Machine in there where you can print out your pictures in terrible quality, like
1: 180p. Okay, That I did not remember specifically.
0: Yeah, you could take your own game cartridge and put it in the thing, and you would pay for pictures and print out like these little Polaroids. Pretty cool. That's like I said, quality terrible, but as a little Mm -hmm. kid, getting your own pictures that you took, awesome. Uh, I think you can actually, some of them are up on eBay. Like you can buy the machine that was in those Blockbusters, which is pretty cool. Uh, That's like a dream, uh, like Man Cave, Gamer Cave kind of thing, just to have that like a flex. That'd be pretty cool. Don't know how much they are. Probably the same as like some arcade machines, I'd assume. Um, Next up, another delay, and this is one I want to talk about a little bit more uh, than usual with delays. Hogwarts Legacy got delayed uh, into 2022. Now, this is strange for a variety of reasons. First being, we never got an actual date for this game. They always said 2021, and we're like... Two weeks into the new year and they're already delaying it into the next year and, and I want to read their message and then we can talk about maybe why they're doing this so their official message They released on an image on Twitter We would like to thank fans from around the world on the tremendous reaction to the announcement of Hogwarts legacy from our portkey games label Creating the best possible experience for all of the wizarding world and gaming fans is paramount to us So we are giving the game the time it needs remember. This is being developed by avalanche uh, over there at WB and this to me we don't know what's going on it could obviously be a normal video game delay where they just don't have the time to finish it in time this could also be uh affected by cyberpunk and maybe they change their project plans right of like hey instead of trying to rush this out in this quarter or sorry this fiscal year let's just take the time we need to get it right and then it could also be affected by the jk rowling stuff of her being known as like, you know, a transphobe and kind of sullying the brand in general and not wanting this awesome franchise people fell in love with to, people don't want to contribute to it anymore because then the money's going into her pocket. Do you think it's like a culmination of all of those, Dom, or where where are you at on this whole thing?
1: Yeah, I would say, I mean, most likely it's a, you know, a technical thing, a project thing. So yeah, it's either that original, you know, 2021 was either never really realistic and they always knew it or something kind of a thing, or like Yeah. It's a change in scope. That's what I would assume, right? Like, you know, they're either realizing something isn't going to work the way they want, like something that's more fundamental to the design, or they really want to add in something fundamental to the design that they, you know, is going to take more time. Like, kind of what I, you know, assumed happened with Halo Infinite, like when you get a big delay, you know, like a full year, um, you kind of think, well, they must have, you know, it must really need, it It must be changing something kind of big, um. And then yeah, I think um, the J.K. Rowling stuff is kind of like a something that they're hoping that can be benefited from this delay. Probably wasn't driving it primarily, but you got to think that that's they certainly they've got to be worried about it. Um, and then hoping to benefit from the conversation around her dying down as people you know kind of forget about it. But and I get that, but. I hope people don't forget about it and, you know, they use their conscious conscience. um, I'm not necessarily saying like you shouldn't buy the game, but uh, you should at least be aware of like what she's about. Right.
0: Exactly. And yeah, I think it might be one of those things too, where it was a, not necessarily 50, 50, but a 50, 50 of like, let's put everything on the table. What are the benefits of, of delaying? What are the benefits of not delaying? Mm -hmm. Right. And then more stuff got put on the plate of like, well, there is a JK Rowling thing and we saw what happened with cyberpunk. We could take our time and this and this and this. And it's like, well, the benefits of delaying it totally outweigh on top of the fact that we could use the delay. And like, I know Harry Potter is a popular franchise. Obviously it's one of the most popular in the world, but I wonder if they're looking at things and it's like, we either get this game out before the fall or push it till after the fall. Right. Like, I don't know if they necessarily want to get muddied into all the stuff that comes out at the end of the year, as we see in the video game industry and maybe they felt like you know march 2022 might be a better date for us than november 2021 kind of thing you know and maybe it projects out better on top of like we said people kind of ease up on jk rowling in terms of making that a a sole factor in their purchase decision but they still come to terms with like what are you doing when you buy this game i don't know they're in a weird spot i'm interested to see if wb games in general because of work from home as like a company is going to see a shift in all of their games. Like does Gotham Knights get delayed till the end of the year when it was kind of meant for maybe the first half of the year, right? Who knows? We'll see what happens. Um, but I thought that was interesting to talk about. And the last thing we got a bunch of PS5 loose dates. These were like at the end of a PlayStation video, Jim Ryan, where he was talking about the success of the PS5. And I wanted to go over those real quick. They were in a little like you know, the, the copyright language you see on commercials when they make it so you can't sue them, that kind of thing. Uh, yeah. So first up, Kina Bridge of Spirits, which I think was initially going to be a launch window or launch title game, uh, is now set for March of 2021. Little Devil Inside, uh, which is like the guy inside of an old man's body, if you remember that trailer. Uh, July 2021. Ghostwire Tokyo is now October 2021. And correct me if I'm wrong, was that one initially slated for 2020 or was it Deathloop that was 2020 and then got pushed to this year?
1: Deathloop definitely was, um, but yeah. Ghostwire, I'm not sure if they ever Delay had it. a 2020 date given or not. Um, yeah, I don't remember. I don't think so, but.
0: Yeah. Uh, next up, Project Athia. This is the Final Fantasy-esque looking one, uh, partially written by Gary Witta, Rogue mm-hmm. One writer. This is January 2022, and Pragmata, which is like the Kojima air, uh, airship astronaut little girl trailer thing the really weird trailer that we saw at the playstation 5 presentation that got pushed to 2023 so that's way far out um which at that point like why even date it i guess i don't know it's <laughs> yeah. weird um yeah. we'll see what happens i i the all these dates look good i think out of this whole list i'm most interested in little devil, little devil inside because it has an indie game flair to it and i like the the setup of you know being this guy going into another person's body it reminds me of osmosis jones Kena of Spirits, I think, is interesting too because from an art direction level, it's beautiful, gorgeous, absolutely stunning. But from a gameplay perspective, it is that studio's first game. So I wonder if they're going to hit some of those pitfalls we see from a studio kind of trying it out for the first time, you know?
1: Yeah, that's the one I'm kind of most interested in out of this group is Kena. Because it's, yeah, it's a bit of an unknown, obviously, new studio. But everything like in that trailer looked pretty good and looked pretty interesting. Kind of gave me vibes of like, kingdoms of Amalur almost with the the style of it um, there's a few little bits of gameplay in that trailer um, and especially the melee combat that had me like I don't know Kind of looks kind of like it a, does have uh, some
0: it has some Pikmin aspects to it too with little like fuzzball things where like okay, she yeah, gathers yeah. them and then they like clean up the forest or whatever mm-hmm. um, definitely gave me like next gen Juju and the whatever that game was called on the PS2 I don't know if you remember that Whereas like the Jungle Boy is like Juju and something.
1: Dak, Jack and the Power of Juju or something.
0: Like yeah, that. Dak and the Power of Juju or something like that. Yeah. Gave me those type yeah. of vibes too, but obviously next gen, really pretty game. Uh, Next up, some some smaller news, but I wanted to mention them. First up, Rebecca Valentine, who is a writer over at gamesindustry.biz, phenomenal. We always reference a lot of her stuff. Whenever it's like a big gamesindustry.biz article we talk about on the podcast, she's usually the one that wrote it. Uh, She announced this week that she is now a member of IGN's a news team. So she moved on from Game uh, gamesindustry.biz and is now working at IGN. So now we'll probably be referencing her in the IGN stories we cover. Uh, super cool. I just wanted to shout her out because we talk about her work all the time, and that's a really dope opportunity.
1: That gives me – I mean, th- this feels like she got herself a raise maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's pretty cool if that's the case. Exactly. And
0: she's so talented, and I think IGN is like – they see how – popular she is in terms of people wanting to read her work you know what i mean i think it was Mm -hmm. a great hire for them and yeah it's great for her hopefully she as they say in the sports world secured the bag you know (laughs) got that cash (laughs) um so shout out to her next up this one is maybe something you're going to be excited about dom the co-creator of dishonored harvey smith is now working on a new game at arcane austin with dishonored and prey developers on the project so seems like this isn't a sequel to, to dishonored or prey it seems like probably an original thing I guess from you, somebody who really enjoys the Dishonored games, do you want it to still be that immersive sim stealth oriented gameplay? Or are you willing to see what they can do maybe in a different genre? Uh,
1: Either way. uh, This is the type of exactly the type of scenario where our I'm like, whatever, the, whatever that guy thinks, you know, is a good idea. I'm willing to try it. Right. Cause like Dishonored yeah. was such a weird, different thing. Um, at least for me, that was like, wow, this is, this is really cool. And if someone didn't, you know, take a chance and put money on, on getting this made, then we wouldn't have that. Even if, you know, um, it, it seems to, that series seems to have fizzled out a little bit. Um, I'm like, either way, if it's like something similar to that or something in, in an entirely different genre, um, you know, save like the, the couple of genres. I know I don't like, you know, if it's like a racing, a cart racer that I'm probably not going to be into, it. But, but maybe not. I don't know. We'll see. Um, I, 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 that's the kind of thing where like a guy like that, I trust their, their creative vision to try it out at least. Yeah. And it's going to be
0: interesting to see if this is going to be an Xbox exclusive, right? Because this is arcane's now obviously under Xbox's umbrella. And that's the interesting thing too. I know I use that word twice in a row makes use of it. Um, The problem with Dishonored is they never sold really well, right? That was a huge issue with them. As fantastic as those games were, they never hit their sales milestones. Now with Game Pass, I do think it opens up the door for more creative ideas. And I wonder if the reason Harvey Smith is leading up a new game, because he totally seems like one of those dudes who could have easily left Arcane, started his own studio, or retired into the sunset, right? And I wonder if he was given the opportunity of like, hey, we're going to give you a budget. We understand you can create some really awesome stuff make whatever you want to make and because there isn't the pitfall of we need it to hit this X milestone so it needs to appeal to this demographic it's like make a dope game that people will want to download on game pass you know what i mean i think that's cool and it offers up some levity in terms of creative freedom and less stress overall so i'm excited
1: yeah, and uh maybe looking at this, is, time. this is the, that's exactly the kind of stuff that uh i think game pass needs and um Not that it needs much more than it already has, but I think that's what will help it continue to thrive.
0: And I think that's why they're getting so many studios is because they're going to have their temples, their BGS is releasing Starfield and Elder Scrolls and all these other studios, but they still want the smaller ones to make stuff. Like I think the Evil Within could be a big beneficiary of the purchase, right? Because those are other games. They fit in-ish. People love horror games, but they don't sell very well. And I think... If we're being honest if the microsoft deal didn't happen would we ever see an evil within three i don't think so but with the advent of game pass i think we it's a possible i i I wouldn't be surprised if they announced evil within three because they don't really have that anywhere else in their platform in terms of their portfolio is a horror studio making horror games right so they fit right in um speaking of a portfolio let's talk about lucasfilm games no we're not talking about LucasArts, the old studio that used to make games back in the day like full throttle and all those other old school tim Schafer titles we're talking about lucasfilm games the new brand it was a big week for both star wars ea and lucasfilm let's go over the bevy of announcements that dominated this week in gaming first up we got to talk about the branding They revealed this via a blog post on StarWars.com. Lucas, quote, Lucasfilm Games is now the official identity for all gaming titles from Lucasfilm, a name that encompasses the company's rich catalog of video games and its eyes towards the future. So if this sounds a little confusing, all you need to know is this is what Marvel Games is now for all the Marvel superhero games. That's what this is for Star Wars and Indiana Jones games, essentially. So it's just an easy way to put a brand on those games and understand it's like the identity of quality. That's what Mar- the Marvel Games initiative recently did with Bill Roseman. And uh, yeah, so this was really cool. We got this on Monday, right? And people are like, this announcement's dope. What does this mean for the EA deal for Star Wars? What does this mean for the future of games? Why is it called Lucasfilm? Like, what are they planning to do with all the other properties, right, that they own? And then Tuesday came around, Dom. And we we're like, hmm, what news can happen today? And out of nowhere, we got the announcement that a new Indiana Jones game with an original story is in development from Bethesda Studio Machine Games, and it will be executively produced by Todd Howard in collaboration with Lucasfilm Games. It'll be some time before we have more to reveal, but they're very excited to share the news, Bethesda said. I want to clarify real quick. You may be wondering, Todd Howard executive producing? Isn't he on Starfield? Isn't he on Elder Scrolls? This is one of those dream projects for him. Apparently, Todd Howard is a huge Indiana Jones fan, and it came out in an interview. He's been trying to get a licensed Indiana Jones game made at Bethesda for the past decade, which is crazy. He actually had some Indiana Jones memorabilia in his office when he did the interview post the announcement of the Bethesda acquisition by Microsoft, and people are looking back on it now and saying, oh, was he teasing us? Maybe, maybe not. Dude just seems like a huge Indiana Jones nerd, so he probably just had those stuff on his shelf anyways. Um... I'm not a big Indiana Jones guy in terms of seeing the films. I know you aren't either, Dom. But Machine Games making a new product that isn't Wolfenstein, but you still get to kill Nazis, is super exciting. And this may be the entry to the franchise that people love that I'm interested in. I want to know from you: Does this get you excited? And is this what you want from Machine Games? Like, are you worried that Wolfenstein Three is now going to take way more years to come out?
1: Uh, I, I mean, potentially. I guess that that could be a. Uh a consequence, but I think it's worthy of it. Um, like I've never even seen a single Indiana Jones movie. Same <laughs> which People I gonna hate I'm, us for that. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, I don't know. As far as I'm aware, like they're, they're good movies for what they do, you know, and, and Harrison Ford is fun and stuff, but like, um, I don't know <laughs> that being said, I, I loved all the recent Wolfenstein games and uh, machine games is in my opinion, based on that, like they're, they're excellent. Um so I'm I'm totally going to be on board for this uh, absolutely especially with uh, Todd Howard being a part of it and um the, the fact that it's they mentioned it's a, a brand new original story um doesn't mean too much to me cuz like I said I've never seen any of the movies but I think that probably to me lends to uh, you know better creative outlets I guess uh, yeah they uh, don't have the template something. of one of the classic films right exactly which we'll get into the the inverse of that in a few minutes i'm sure with a different uh, you know, announcement but um <clears throat> i think that's a that's a good thing to me and I'm, I'm ready for this i'll try it i love the uncharted games and of course uh those comparisons are going to be numerous i'm sure uh but um i if, if this has even like a, a i mean it has to have a similar vibe because uncharted pretty much copied indiana jones right so like um You know, whether or not it's also third person is that's something I thought about is do you think this is a potentially a first person or a third person game knowing that I think in my head Indiana Jones would be better as a third person game, but machine games is also the the FPS studio so I could see it going either way really.
0: Yeah, and it's like we think about it as machine games doing the FPS and maybe they want to stretch their legs and do a third person game right and try to see what they can accomplish with that. Um but then there's the thought of, like, if you're in third person, what are the constant comparisons going to be to Harrison Ford's version of the character to this? and Right. That, yeah, we don't know. Another thing is, like, when was this deal done? Was this done before the Microsoft acquisition? Obviously, it's not legal until this later this year, but that will play heavily into whether this is an exclusive game or not, right? Uh, we don't know that, if this is going to be exclusive. I think at the very least, it'll at least come to Game Pass, which is dope, so people can check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think... So, we just talked about Harry Potter being this huge franchise. It spans in terms of demographic. I know kids as young as six who love Harry Potter and adults as old as like in their 50s and 60s who love it. It just has that stretch, right? Whereas Indiana Jones, I don't think it's captured a younger audience at all, really. Like, I don't know many people our age or younger, me being 29. Having a desired love for Indiana Jones. Not saying they don't exist, but in general, I think most people our age or younger are like, "Yeah, I've heard of Indiana Jones. I've never really seen it." You know, unless you're like maybe a, a like a diehard film kid who's interested in film, because they're some of the films that they say if you're interested in film and pursuing it as a career, you need to watch them. In terms of really being a fan of cinema, and I get that, but um I think this could be huge for them in terms of bringing it to a new audience. On top of the fact, hey man, as lame as this is to some people put a damn Indiana Jones Fortnite skin uh, in Fortnite when this game is about to come out and do some of that cross promotion because it'll also help. As dumb as it sounds, it'll work. And I think that'll, no, that'll be a, a nice avenue.
1: Yeah, that'll really grab that market that you just talked about, right? Obviously, like the younger generation, if you get indie going in Fortnite, um, that'll help you know get some more people, especially if it's a Game Pass game, that'll help get some more people into it.
0: Yeah, and at at its core, it sounds like a cool idea. It's this guy in this really dope leather jacket and leather hat who goes and hunts down treasures, right? Yeah, and his classic whip. Um, So that'll be interesting. We'll see what happens there. Next up, this one came out of nowhere. If you're like, okay, Monday they had the brand announcement, Tuesday they had the Indiana Jones thing, for sure they're done, right? Nope, Wednesday came around, and it's bright and early. Ubisoft is developing an open-world Star Wars game. So Ubisoft Massive or the people behind the division are developing a new open world star Wars game. And look as Lucasfilm games teams up Ubisoft uh, teams up with Ubisoft. Massive is still recruiting for the project. Uh, so details are sparse. Julian Garrity, who is the director of the division two and the crew will serve as the game's creative director. And the title will use Massive's snowdrop engine. There's some pretty interesting details at the end. I guess this conversation's twofold. Um, we'll tackle the first thing of, Ubisoft getting to make a Star Wars game, which I think is pretty huge. And then the second thing I want to talk about, which might be more interesting, is who's the main character of this game? Is it force sensitive? Is it not? We'll do it in two piece kind of like that. So the first one, Ubisoft being able to make an open world game. How surprising was this to you? And as people who have loved Assassin's Creed Odyssey, how excited are you for the possibility of this game and what it could be?
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, I was surprised. Um, Knowing that they had that uh, Star Wars was Star Wars video games were going to be exclusive to EA still for another like two years, um, but I guess that's you know exclusively releasing games, so they you know other studios are allowed to start working on games prior to that, which makes a lot of sense now. But knowing uh, that while EA did make a couple good, you know, really good Star Wars games, um, it just seems silly to have continued that exclusivity with just EA, right? Especially. Um, with how Disney had just been treating uh, Marvel and kind of using a, a variety of different studios to get different licensed Marvel's game, Marvel games out there, right? Um, so it actually makes a heck of a lot of sense. And then you look at, the other good thing about Star Wars is there's just so much. There's so much world and there, there's so many different possibilities of like, oh, this, you know, Ubisoft is really good at open world games with action games with progression systems, um, you know, RPG light kind of games. And, the, the immediate thought everyone has is like, oh, this is going to be kind of a bounty hunter thing, you know, maybe like right along the lines of, of the Mandalorian, right? Where you're kind of exploring different planets and upgrading your gear, you know, um, that's kind of the, the immediate thought I think a lot of people have. So it really actually makes like a, a ton of sense. The The caveat or the interesting wrinkle is like the specific Ubisoft studio, right, being massive, who had done the division um, so I think it also makes a lot of sense that this is, uh, you know, a division style game because um, that's a that's that's the trend nowadays, right? Like, how can we make our games live service to have con- to continually give us revenue? Um, and how can we make Star Wars fit into that, similarly to how similarly to how they um, have tried to do that now with Avengers, right? How can we make Avengers not just a big AAA game, but a big AAA live service game with a continuous, more continuous revenue stream? So if I had to bet, I'd say it's, you know, we're probably looking at The Division, you know, with the Star Wars wrapper on it. That's not giving it nearly enough credit, but uh, I would suspect that's what we're going to get.
0: Yeah, and here's the interesting thing. My dream scenario, Dom, is if they hit this game, right, the first one is, is awesome. Instead of this solves the Assassin's Creed issue of them feeling like they need to do two years on, one year off, two years on, one year off. Imagine if we get into a place where it's like Assassin's Creed game this year, Star Wars open world the next year, Assassin's Creed game the following year, and you have this every two-year cycle with them. I think that could be really cool. And Star Wars is so expansive that it doesn't actually have the issue Assassin's Creed does where you're tied to the world history. Like with Assassin's Creed, they had to pick a point in time. They had to pick an area that's big enough to be an open world, and they have to work from there, right? With Star Wars, it's literally... What planet maybe do you wanna base this on? Is it a force sensitive or is it a bounty hunter? And what are the stipulations in terms of traveling to other planets, right? So you could get one game where it's focused on Dathomir, you can get another game where it's focused on like a forest planet, um, or maybe they could work around it where it's open world but maybe there's like three planets you interact with to give you a variety of environments. Uh, or maybe there's like a, if it's division style, maybe it's like a heavily populated, like dense metropolitan area. I think there's a lot of room that could work there. If it's games of service, you have reasons why it could be force-sensitive uh, main character and not, right? So if it's force-sensitive character and you're getting a lightsaber and you're a Jedi, that lends itself to getting your own kyber crystals, upgrading your hilt, all of that stuff, right? Um, but with a bounty hunter, you can upgrade your weapons, you can have different guns, which is very division-y. You can also upgrade your outfit, so maybe not necessarily armor, but like a, a doper, like Star Wars leather jacket or pants, Um who knows i think there's a lot of room to grow here and i the division has never been a game that's reviewed bad because at its core it was built bad it's always that it's the games of service ideas and the other thing we have to factor in is with ubisoft titles especially especially the the assassins creed games though massive is the lead developer they usually have like 15 studios working on these Good games point. yeah yeah um so i'm interested to see what happens i'm excited uh I'm assuming you lean towards wanting Bounty Hunter over Force Sensitive, right?
1: Not necessarily. Um I'm if that if those things are tied to like, yeah, is this a, a traditional single player um action game versus a live service, then yeah, I want that single player game as opposed to a live service game. But yeah. between like yeah, is this a a Force-sensitive versus a a bounty hunter kind of game? Like, I don't really have a preference. Either of those I think could be cool, potentially.
0: My big thing is time period. That's what I'm most interested in swaying me. I hope Mm -hmm. it's like High Republic would be dope, which is a new era that just came out with the books and everything. Um, I just don't want it to be so tied to everything we know, and I know it's a complaint by a lot of Star Wars fans. The time period is more important to me than... Yes. I know you're a little bit more stronger on the single player versus games of service because obviously that's your preference to single player. I'm open to both, um, but the time period is my big stickler. And with you, I'm like, Bounty Hunter Force Sensitive, is the game good? I can run with both. Like, I'm interested in both.
1: Yeah, I'm 100% with you on the time period, and I can't remember. What was the second point of conversation going to be around this? Because I might be veering into it that.
0: It was the Bounty Hunter Force Sensitive thing. That was okay. a conversation of, like, what would so- you prefer?
1: I think that is the most important part of this conversation because ideally, and I, I pretty confident Disney said that any content, any Star Wars content that comes out in the future is all going to be Canon. yeah, strictly Canon. And to me, that's lame. That kind of sucks. Um, because opposite of what we we're just talking about with Indiana Jones being a new original story with absolute freedom or not absolute freedom, but you know, <laughs> a lot of freedom knowing that everything that goes, even though we're expanding Star Wars games to different publishers and studios now, knowing that it all has to fit into canon bums me out because that severely restricts what you can do and what, you know, yeah, there's a lot of planets and there's a lot going on. There's still like a lot of freedom, but not as much as there could be. Um, When you look at what Marvel has done, like, you know, with Spider-Man PS4 and now Miles, Miles Morales, like those don't connect to the MCU we see in theaters, right? And that... That's that to me is kind of what makes those games good, um, and same with uh, Avengers, uh, the the video game too, right? Like, they're not stricken to like fit within a, a spot in the timeline and the canon. They're not all these restrictions. Um, yeah, and they're also not gonna be, especially with how many new TV shows they just announced for Star Wars too. When you look at oh, I hear people saying like oh, an Ahsoka game would be really cool, and it's like. Yeah, but they're doing an Ahsoka TV show. So like that's almost certainly not gonna happen. And even in these TV shows, my concern, um, that's kind of the, the one uh the one negative aspect of like the Clone War shows and the Rebels show, and even the Mandalorian is everything that happens in those shows, because it's so strictly tied to canon, it just feels small. It feels like not as significant and important as what happens in the main movies, right? Like, you know that the things that affect the wider galaxy in Star Wars happens in those movies and you can't – there's just certain rules you can't break that that you're yeah. kind of stuck to. And so now video games, the, the these new video games that are going to come out feel like a, even a third level below that where like they're going to be stuck behind the movies and the TV shows and what they can – how they can interact with things. Um, well,
0: and I think that's why it's so yeah. important the time period of like – I think it's the best interest of Ubisoft and everybody, if, and gamers, if it either takes place between the higher public and A New Hope, somewhere in there, there's like 200 years, right, or whatever, Mm -hmm. because then you can create your, a new canon, right? Obviously, you know, Lucasfilm and the Star Wars group have, like, we have specific things you can't really alter or affect, but there's way more room to play in there because there's no, no canon, really, at all, uh, And then after episode nine, right? It's like, what happens afterwards? You have plenty of room there. It's always the problem where they try to make something between episodes three and four or episodes six and seven. And then it's like, especially like Mandalorian. That's you just brought up a good point is like, it can't affect the greater universe. It can maybe best set up things and fill in the gap of when we get to those films. It's like, oh, now I understand. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there is an issue there. I do think there... Playing in canon does have some benefits too. Um, we we saw it work with Jedi Fallen Order. Didn't work as much with Battlefront Two. Um, and yeah, there is that creative like stranglehold, right? Or <laughs> it's like, oh, what do you what do yeah. you do? You gotta. F- uh, we'll see. I, I'm still excited. I'm just excited to get more Star Wars games in general. Yeah. Um. And an open. When was the last open world Star Wars game? Has there ever been one?
1: I mean. The, there's an MMO, I guess, but I don't know if that's really open world. Jedi Fallen Order would be the closest, right? Is Technically, I think you could open worlds at least, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> kind of a thing. Um the last thing i want to say like i'm overwhelmingly excited for all of this um, yeah i spent a lot of time talking about my concern but like this is so much this is like a great step forward in my opinion from what we were getting and weren't getting right like this is this is really cool i'm at the end of the day i trust um the you know the current disney administration in charge of star wars like they seem to have plans and they know what they're doing so even though i have these questions and concerns i think that um that they know how to get this stuff done and I think this makes you know the highly demanded remake of Knights of the Old Republic inevitable. I think it's going to happen. It's just a matter of when. I'm, well, I'm sure of it. Now. If
0: these deals have already been struck, who knows if Obsidian didn't already Xbox got Obsidian the deal yeah. to do that? Like, who knows? We don't. Yeah.
1: You know, that's yeah. That's the other part. Is it could be an exclusive to a platform. Like, there's no reason that can't happen to it. Yeah, could Obsidian be making the the Kotor remake and it's only on Xbox? Like that could why fight not? spider-man straight
0: up it's like okay oh, you guys easily. get spider-man we get Kotor. yeah i'm just excited to see what happens uh what do you think the over under is that we get the alexios cassandra thing for this game where you get to pick a male or a female protagonist
1: that makes a lot of sense too i could definitely see that you know you, you know whether you're a you know, bounty hunter or jedi or whatever it is like why not um that because that was a lot of people some people's not complaint, but like with Fallen Order, it was like, yeah, Cal Kestis is is fine. You know, he's a decent character. Some people liked him more than others, but he is what you got, right? He was your Nathan yeah. Drake, your your Kratos, whatever, like, whereas there's not, uh, it would be cool to also have, you know, the Alexios uh, Cassandra option kind of a thing or uh, AV or situation.
0: What's the name of uh,
1: Ahsoka Tano's race of aliens? Oh, man. Twi- Twi'lek? Twi'lek? Not, no, I know. is like, uh, Hera, Sandula, I think, maybe it is Twilight.
0: Either I way, I would be dope if you had to choose between a male or a female of her race. Mm-hmm. I that's another thing with Star Wars. I want a Star Wars game where I don't have to play as a human. Yes. I know that might sound like whatever, but like the, the universe is so vast and there's so many different cool alien races. Uh, I always forget the name of um uh Jesus Christ. The name is escaping me. Red and black villain. Darth Please, Maul. Darth Maul. Why can I? Not His race
1: is Um Zobrac or Zorbak, something like that. Something
0: like yeah. Sorry, Star Wars fans. There's a lot of stuff.
1: Uh, the cool, the cool thing about him too in that race is, um, we, we obviously know Darth Maul, but um, in Clone Wars, he has a brother, and like it's the coloring of their skin is can be different too. Yeah. which is cool.
0: Well, we we ran into them too on in Jedi Fallen Order, right? So yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a good. Point. Yeah. Um, yeah, that'd be dope. I just want to play as a non-human in a Star Wars game at some point. Uh, that'd be dope uh, Next up lastly What does this mean for EA and Star Wars? Well Lucasfilm games confirmed that they still will be working with EA on a number of projects with more to be announced in the next year or So so don't fret Jedi Fallen Order 2. I would assume it's already in the works with Respawn. They're probably already oh, yeah. You know at least like 50% through it or whatever um, and they'll probably be still making Battlefront All we need to know from this is that the exclusivity will be ending, but they're not ending their partnership with EA, which I think is the best thing to do because EA did have some screw ups. I totally get that, but they worked to fix Battlefront 2 and they delivered with squadrons and Jedi Fallen Order. So I don't think it's necessarily pull it the rug from underneath them, but I'm glad that they kind of met in the middle. and It's like, Hey, you're not going to be exclusive anymore, which I think kind of lights a fire under EA too, because they know at any point Disney could just say, nah, you're done making Star Wars games. You know what I mean? Uh, it's, it's and they don't have an open, exclusivity deal. Exactly. Yeah. It's
1: more, more of an open market for like, well, who gets what studio gets to make the next star Wars game. And now it's not just among the EA studios. There's more competition
0: and they can't take the risk that they did with battlefront two. Cause you know, somebody in that studio was like, Hey man, there's a, we're doing making a risk with these microtransactions. All of them weren't completely oblivious, but part of the idea was probably like we have the exclusive license. Yeah. Who else is going to make away a Star this game? Exactly. But now yeah. they don't have that uh, at least after 2023. That's pretty much it for the news. A uh, lot of exciting stuff from Lucasfilm. I think it was a good week for us. Great way to start off 2021. Outside of the the coup that happened in Washington DC, it's good <laughs> video game news. Um, last thing I wanted to touch on in our in our topic is you and I did finally did a fantasy critic league on fantasycritic.games. If you're familiar with fantasy football, it's like that, but you draft video games instead of players. If you're not familiar with fantasy po- football, the way it works. Is Dom and I drafted a roster of games based on how they score on open critic. Every point above 70, we get a point. And every point below 70, it's a point at first, but then it has diminishing returns because they found that, like, if you have one tanker game, that it could, like, ruin a league and lose a league for somebody. So they kind of made it so, like, the more points you lose, the less effective it is, if that makes sense, Uh, which I, I like the way that works. And we also pick counter picks so if i think a game that dom drafted or picked up afterwards on waiver wire is not going to come out or is going to be bad i counter pick and i'll get points off of that and if i counter pick a game of his he isn't allowed to drop it at all so we're going to have 18 games by the end of the year we drafted eight apiece, and we're going to pick up 10 other games throughout the year and the way we pick them up is we put in bids for a certain dollar man dollar menu dollar value uh we have hundred dollars to start with and we have an interesting rule between us that for every dollar we have uh, left at the end of the year, you lose half a point. And this is just to incentivize using your money on bids. Um, so that way, at the end of the year, we're not stuck with a bunch of money. Anyways, you ready to go over our draft picks, Dom, and explain Let's a little bit it. of why we're doing it? Some will have longer uh, explanations for, some we won't. I was the first pick. Uh, maybe I wasn't. We're gonna. I'm going to start, though. So I picked Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Uh, obviously, this game is likely coming out this year. Who knows if it's early 2021 or mid or late? But Insomniac has been killing it. Even Miles Morales, which didn't necessarily meet all expectations for people, was an 85 at the end of the day, which would make me 15 points. So I'm betting on that. My one worry is its dependency on next gen performance. Will it suffer from that? You know what I mean? Will it hit the trailers we see and do everything it did, or will it struggle to be that next gen experience we've been waiting for? But that was my first pick. Dom, what was yours?
1: I'm going Halo Infinite with my first pick. Um, It's, to me, completely zero risk of getting delayed out of 2021, seeing as though it was a 2020 game that got delayed into 2021. So very unlikely that it gets delayed out of another year, right? Um, And I think it will benefit greatly from that delay. Um, And it's Microsoft's and Xbox's biggest franchise, and they know that, you know this this is an important game and i think it's going to hit i think that extra year they took is they're probably will have in, implemented some pretty cool new features or game design that i think is going to i think people are going to really like this game it's going to give me points
0: and i think to franchise quality even the worst version of this game was mid 80s right so it's like right. you know the quality is going to be there no matter what i think it was a smart pick um my next one is monster hunter rise there's currently a demo out people are really enjoying it Uh, I wouldn't say this is necessarily a safe pick, but these games tend to score pretty well. People love Monster Hunter. And this goes to something we talk about sometimes, Dom, where who's going to review Monster Hunter Rise at an outlet? Probably the person who's familiar with Monster Hunter. And not saying that they're going to give it a better score because of that, but those people tend to understand the game and not fault it for some of the issues they tend to have. Um, But at the same time, they understand what makes this a better Monster Hunter game than the last And I think being familiar with that genre of game will benefit this game. So it's that niche review kind of perspective I'm going with there
1: for sure. It's going to do well. What's your number two? Uh, okay. So my number two, this list in general, I was pretty risky. Um, (laughs) Halo infinite was a, was a safe, great pick. Um, but from here on out, I get a little, little looser. So number two, I went with horizon forbidden West. Um, Sony has said, "Yep, that game's coming out in 2021, and it's coming out on PS4 and PS5." Um, I I don't know the exact. I might be wrong, but every single major Sony first party published game has had some delay of at least a few months. <laughs> yeah, usually it's two delays, um, and that's a little unfair because this year with The Last of Us and Ghost of Tsushima, like there's you know a whole pandemic thing, but they delay their shit all the time. Um, and it's usually better for it, but there's a good chance that this gets delayed out of the year. So, But I'm hoping uh, it is a sequel to what was... Uh, the original was really highly, re- you know, critically received game. So as long as this stays in 2021, it's going to be, you know, huge points for me. But there's that risk that it gets bumped. So hopefully Sony's good for this one.
0: And the last gen thing I don't think is that much of an issue, just like with Halo Infinite, because the reviews are going to be on the best version of the game available. Now, the, the the other version of the game could weigh it down uh, in some aspects of a review. But yeah, it's interesting because is it Horizon is slated for mid-year, God of War slated for end-year, of year, and then they get shifted. So Horizon gets delayed, but it still comes out. Who knows? Um, but if that game comes out, I think you're going to get good points for it. Next up, speaking of a game, if it comes out getting good points for it, Hollow Knight Silksong. This is my first big risk. Um, obviously if this game does come out, the track record speaks for itself with Team Cherry, the game's probably going to score really well. It's just how ambitious were they were they with this game? It was originally slated for last year. Did the scope get away from them and they may have to end up delaying another year with the work from home situation, who knows. Um, but I love Hollow Knight, we both love Hollow Knight, and I figured it was worth the risk. It's kind of like me saying, I'm taking this with the hope that it brings <laughs> it to release this year. Yeah, so if maxi- it happens. Though. Exactly.
1: No, I'm soaked for for Knight. I hope. To be, I mean, I want to win this draft, but I hope the Halloween Knight comes out this year because I love the first <laughs> game, even if it nets you points. I'd worth it, right? Yeah. Um, uh Next, I have a bit safer pick um, is Resident Evil Village, and it's even safer because we did this draft a few days ago, and since then, they announced I think some some sort of a showcase for this game
0: on the 21st, a week from the day we're recording. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so not too long from now like they're going to show us a more of the more of the game that we you know we haven't seen too much of it so far. So that I think bodes well for the likelihood that it gets released this year. And <clears throat> I think coming off the momentum of the last couple Resident Evil games like 7 did reviewed fairly well, I believe, and then the the two remakes uh the re- remake of 2 obviously did better than 3, but I think um the the Capcom teams will be able to like, you know, learn a lot from those those experiences and put it into a, a, a new you know the next chapter in this series where they have some more freedom so i think this stands to you know review like at least good if not great Yeah, we're both banking on capcom
0: titles i got monster hunter you got resident mm-hmm. evil
1: they're on um, the, they're on the rise man as we know
0: well even devil may cry 5 right reviewed really well too oh, yeah. so they've been on a really good track record um, there's also, there's multiplayer beta game that's supposed to be coming out, not tied to Resident Evil Village. So I'm intrigued to see how that ends up playing out because they're like, Resident Evil multiplayer games don't tend to be very good. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. Uh, next up, Little Nightmares 2. So I went with the horror game as well. Just an indie horror game. Uh, if you played the first Little Nightmares, you'll know that it was a really dope platformer, really spooky, um. I just love this studio. They're also the ones that are doing the thing where if you purchase this game now in February when it comes out, you'll get the free next-gen version of the game when it comes out later in the year. So that's really dope. Um, It's just a really well-crafted platformer. It's one of those games where there's not enough going on where it can drastically get affected by one aspect of the game. Uh, It's pretty a tight game with minimal mechanics. And I'm banking on them making a good game great. And the demo's out right now and people are loving it. So I'm I'm banking on that indie love for Little Nightmares 2. We'll see.
1: Not familiar with the with that with the first one really. I think I've seen a trailer or something, but I need to look more into this, that series, because it seems like it could be up my alley. But um let's see, next. Okay, so now I'm back to now I'm back to a riskier pick. So um I have Deathloop, which we talked about earlier was originally a 2020 game got delayed into 2021 so note not much doubt that it gets uh, delayed out of 2021 but this is a different kind of game um it's arcane i think um doing it and this is like a weirdly structured kind of a time loop sort of game and we're, we're really feeling hesitant on uh <laughs> the mechanics uh and how exactly it's going to work so this this could pay off um but there's a chance it might not do that well too. So I'm, I'm aiming for the the stars on this one. We'll, we'll hope, hopefully it does well.
0: PS5 exclusive too. going to be interesting to see how that plays That's out. That's true.
1: At least for a time, I think. Yeah. Uh,
0: next up, Breath of the Wild 2. This game will be a banger if it comes out, if it comes out this year. That's pretty much all i got to say.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. Okay, another good one. Gotham Knights. So, um I have a lot of faith that this game is going to come out and review pretty well. I know they're, they're moving it into um, this sort of co-op situation and, you know, there's no Batman and we just have the kind of the Batgirl, Robin, Nightwing kind of a deal going on. Um, and this isn't Rocksteady, of course, this is uh, uh, whatever they're the called. The Montreal. Montreal. Yep. So who I think, you know, they did pretty well with uh, Arkham origins, even though that one didn't review as well as the other Arkham games. Um, seeing that the Harry Potter game got delayed has me sh- shaking in my boots a little bit that Gotham Knights might also get delayed into 2022, <laughs> but I think uh, if it does come out, it should review pretty well. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm, I'm The
0: multiplayer aspect is what could ki- kill it in terms of reviews. Yeah. Like How seamless is it? Does it work? We'll mm-hmm. see what happens there. Next up, probably one of the safer picks on the draft board, Call of Duty 2021. We don't know what it's named yet, but those games rarely review worse than an
1: 80. You know, yeah. just some easy points You're getting there. an 80. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they come every year. It's just guaranteed. They they somehow make sure no matter what, you're getting Call of Duty every year. And it's, you know, has a, like a high polish too. Um, so moving on, similarly to the Breath of the Wild 2 pick you had, I took God of War Ragnarok, which is supposedly coming out in 2021. But again... <laughs> Just like Horizon, in fact, even more so. I have my doubts that uh, Sony actually gets this out in 2021. But if they do, this is just a guaranteed super high review score. Is all just about right? Like we know this thing's gonna hit hard, so it's a risky pick. But I want those points if it does land.
0: And with Corey Barlog recently tweeting that he's having writer's block, I'm like, what does that mean <laughs> oh, in shit. terms of God of War Ragnarok coming out? Hopefully, like, it's writer's
1: it... block for the next game after Ragnarok. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, this is when they announced it for 2021. I still didn't think it was coming out. It's just like, it seems too soon. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, next up forza motorsport. Uh, we're unclear if it's going to be seven or if it's going to be a reboot. Um, but it's going to be coming out this year. Hopefully it's not super guaranteed, but it'd be weird for Microsoft to go two and a half years or two years without a Forza title. And obviously, uh, horizon isn't happening anytime soon with playground focusing on fable um these games always review well if you go and look at the series both it and horizon they're some of like the highest reviewed games of all time in the racing genre mm-hmm. so it uh, should be easy money here too my only worry is if it, is it doesn't come out but if it does guarantee points a lot of points
1: yeah that's a good pick that i'm surprised made it that far uh into the draft <laughs> um that could potentially be your steal. And actually, similarly, my next one I think is a good one too is Hitman Three. Um, yeah. Uh, people, I've not played any of these Hitman games, but people love this shit. And uh, similarly, similarly to some of the other sequels on my list, uh, I think you know it's the same studio, and they're probably gonna take a lot of the, a lot of what they learned in the first couple games and and apply it here and, and do a you know a pretty well polished package I assume. And it's I think it's already got a date in the next month or so so it's guaranteed this year i think i got good points here
0: the only worry i have for that game is how much the vr aspect of it will affect the overall reviews because i think out of vr the game's going to score really well but how much do reviewers weigh the vr aspect of it right um because like is it an additional mode that you're like okay yeah but the vr isn't good but it doesn't really ding the review or will reviewers be like hey why did they even include this vr mode it weighs down the entire game like it shouldn't even be enough you know what i mean um, but I think the core game itself is going to be phenomenal. So you're, you're I'm just looking interested at the, to see how the VR affects it.
1: You're if you're on YouTube and you, Jared, you're looking at the face of someone who just learned that Hitman Three has a VR mode. Yeah. <laughs> so the cool thing
0: is you can okay. import the the first two games and play them entirely in first person VR. Really cool. I just that is I'm damn. unsure of. VR is a big risk, and I don't know if they'd weigh it so mm-hmm. much in the review. You know what I mean? Who knows? That's uh, next up. My last draft pick, Eastward. You're like Eastward. What the heck is that? It's the next game from the Stardew Valley team, uh, Chucklefish. I think their name is. It's very much in the style of Mother, if you've ever heard of that old school JRPG. Very Japanese influenced. Uh, looks really cool. Um, it once again, I'm banking on I think more indies than you are. Yeah, I don't. You don't have an indie at all i have little nightmares hollow knight and eastward and i Hit yeah Man you three, have a single bro. indie <laughs> hitman, hitman 3 of the indie people everyone loves uh yeah so we'll see what happens with that game slated for 2021 it's another one i'm worried might not make it but if it does i think it'll review well especially with how stardew valley did um what's your last pick
1: the medium you know a little risky maybe um we're not sure uh this is a new a new IP, right? But uh, I can't remember what the it's like. Bloober Team, whatever they're called. Yeah. I can't remember their last games. They weren't like the highest. We talked about it. Before, they have
0: hits and misses. So they had like uh, yeah uh, uh, Blair Witch, which was like bad. that's what it was. Then they have like uh, Layers of Fear, right? Which is a good game. People love. Yeah. They have some hits and misses. They're back and forth.
1: Yeah. So like naturally, based on their resume, I might not go for this. But what we've seen of this so far looks really cool. Um. And I'm biased because I like horror and psychological type games. Um, but then also the fact that this is a, a Series X, I believe it's Series X, like exclusive. Exclusive, yep. Meaning there's no last gen, there's no Series S version of this. So like it's really going to take advantage of the hardware. So like even if um, you know aspects of the game aren't uh, all stellar, I think techn- technologically it should get a few points of uh, <laughs> sympathy at least
0: so insomniac has a way stronger track record than bluebird team so don't make this sound like i'm comparing the two studios directly but i do think the medium is your ratchet and clank in the sense of how i mentioned it's relying so much on giving that next gen experience for the first time that that could either boost it a bunch in reviews or hurt it uh, depending on how it lands technically like you were saying and i think Mm -hmm. the medium is the same way because if they nail that two universes type of thing and it works really well it could vault the game into the upper echelon in terms of reviews but if it's a little, like, laggy or it doesn't really work or it causes frame rate issues, that could, like, dip the score a little bit. But, like we talked about before, I think at the very least, it'll hit in the mid-70s at the very least. So you're still guaranteed points
1: there. Man, I think they're – I'm I'm definitely – for both of those examples, you're right, they're similar in that sense. I'm leaning towards, like, they should be dope because of that, right? Like, exactly, yeah. Using a single super powerful machine to develop a game um, as your base, like, I think, like – these are, like, these. both of these games should be really cool from that, right? The we, thing I like... We saw, like, um, Cyberpunk, obviously. I mean, among other things, one of the things they faltered to was, like, having t- to release on so many different platforms, right? Yeah. Um, whereas both Ratchet and & Clank and the Medium, like, having a single powerful platform they're coming on uh, and focused on, I think, should help them out.
0: The, the thing I like about our drafts, both of us, is the risks we took are based on release, not quality. Like, yeah. I don't think any of our stuff is going to score below... Zero points and the only reason I say zero is because of it not releasing. I think at worst we're gonna get like five points, six points if something doesn't review super well, but I don't have to see neither of us getting negative points. You know what I mean? I just don't see that with either of our rosters at all. You know? So uh okay. let's talk about our counter picks real quick. So remember I mentioned at the top we had a counter pick two games apiece from the other person's <laughs> list that we thought were gonna be stinkers, which I don't think any of our games are gonna be stinkers. Uh and the other one was are they gonna release? So I'll do my two counter picks first. First of all, God of War Ragnarok. Uh, I think Dom, if you had the chance, get a counter himself if you wanted to, because it's such a, a you know out there pick in terms of if, if it's gonna hit or not. But if it does, obviously, guarantee like twenty points. My second one, once again, I was looking at it. I think everything else on his list has a really good chance to release. I'm of the opinion that I think Horizon hits this year, maybe later than they anticipate, but I do think it hits this year, um, because it isn't going for that revolutionary next gen thing. Because it is. Tied to last gen in some capacity, right? We don't know that for God of War. Correct me if I'm wrong, right? We don't know if that yeah. one's also coming out on PS4. We do. That know was Horizon one of those
1: the, one of those funny Jim Ryan quotes where he talked about uh, Horizon being a PS4 game, and then was explicitly asked if the same was true of God of War, and he just replied with, "We have nothing to announce at the time." Oh well. <laughs> so so positive or negative on that.
0: So I was looking at the rest of Dom's list, and I was like, okay, I have to pick what's the most likely to get the least amount of points or be a stinker, because everything else I think is releasing. So I was looking through it, and it really came down to Gotham Knights, The Medium, and Deathloop. Those are the three I looked at, and I think The Medium is too much of a risk, and the X boy fanboy in me do- doesn't want that game to be bad. Uh, Gotham Knights, the superhero fan in me, doesn't want that game to be bad either. And I'm like, I'm, I understand me being skeptical on the game, but Dom also being skeptical on the game, like, adds to me being skeptical. So I'm like, I'm just going to go with Deathloop. That's my second pick. Um, and I honestly don't think – I think I'm going to lose points because of that. I think you'll, you'll still get points from it. At that point, I was like, the counter pick that affects me the least, right, was right. my idea. Yeah, um, minimal damage. Exactly. Uh, what were your two counter picks?
1: So the easy one was Breath of the Wild 2. That game is not coming out yep. this year. Sorry. <laughs> um, and, uh, let's see. What was my other one? How do I uh... – what was, it my was other one? Eastward. Oh, yeah. Um largely out of ignorance. <laughs> um but I just I don't know. I it's it's similar to what you just described. But the rest of your games, I think are pretty certain to come out this year. Hollow Knight, there's a potential. Yeah. It might not. Um but everything else I'm, it's pretty pretty solid. It's coming out this year. Um Eastward was the only one where like I don't know. I, I think it's just there's just enough unknown. Like people love Stardew Valley, but um, to me there's just enough unknown about what this could end up being that I had to go with it.
0: One it's like the, the least amount of damage, like I said, right? Because if Hollow Knight comes out, counterpicking that could hit. lose you so many points. Yeah. Whereas Eastward, it could be like a seventy five and you're okay, ding me five points or whatever. Uh, we were kind of in the same boat. We both counterpicked one game that were like, no, no way that game comes out, and the other one were like what do we do? I think that's actually a testament to our drafts. I think we did a pretty good job overall. We took yeah. some risks. You took more risks than I did. But I think we came up with some dope lists and I'm interested to see where we line in terms of the games we pick up throughout the year. Uh, to clarify, we couldn't do any annual sports franchises or like annual racing franchises. Uh, Cuphead didn't count because it's technically an expansion, which I was under the impression it was a sequel, kind of like, like Silksong. Um, yeah, and there were some other things. You couldn't pick Persona 5 Strikers because it's already released internationally so already had review scores that type of thing um but we'll keep you guys updated we'll i think the best way to do this Dom, is we'll check in every quarter right and we'll only talk about it when there's some updates so what's the quarter from now uh april january february march april yeah we'll check back in in april and update everyone on how our uh league is going it's gonna be fun excited to check it out and see what happens we wanted to do it last year. We just never got around to it. Partially my fault. We also have another league going with friend of the show, Chris Nunes, a.k.a. Topher Anunz. So we'll, well, if that one gets interesting at the end of the year, we'll probably bring him on to talk about that one. I think it be, could be pretty cool. Um, other than that, let's get into what we've been playing. Uh, the only thing I really want to talk about is Miles Morales. Finished it finally. Nice, uh, nice. Potential spoilers. Here's the thing, Dom. I want to preface <laughs> this because people are going to think I hate this game and I don't. Incredible game. One of my favorite games of last year. I found some issues with it in comparison to Spider-Man. So the first thing I want to talk about is... Its story length actually made the game feel more bloated to me. Let me explain why. Really? Because So because the story is so short, right? The narrative is really short. Not that many missions. Early in the game, you do like four or five missions in a row where it's like... Hey, this is a collectible we found out you can collect. Here are all the collectibles. Hey, here's a collectible you can collect hey here's a mission set you can do and it bombarded me right away but then knowing that the story was so short and going through that it felt like all of that stuff was hey we don't want you to feel bad for spending this much money on this game there's all of this stuff the the side activities didn't feel equal to the main narrative and i think for me that made it feel bloated whereas in spider-man yeah there's a shit ton of side activities but the story too is so big and grand that it never felt like all of that stuff was bloating the map because you were in that world a long time. Whereas with this, it felt like filler in a way, you know? Um, And I don't know if that's partially because I don't have the attachment to Miles as much as I do to Peter. I don't know if that's because I knew going in the game wasn't long. Like, if I didn't know that and I was just playing it, would have felt that bloated, knowing in the back of my mind I know the story length. Um, The other thing, we talked about this before the game came out, I really felt like it was... Purple guys versus red guys. You know yep. what I mean? Absolutely. Uh, that kind of dripped back. Uh, there wasn't a lot of like heroic moments. Not set pieces. Like heroic moments where you're fighting a villain and it felt like you were all powerful. Really, the only boss battles in this game are Rhino and Tinker, right? Really. Uh, that's another thing. I think the Tinker fight at yeah. the end of the game was bad because it just stretches on. There's like four or five phases. Um, I think the strategy in that boss fight is unclear. It's not very helpful. Um, I consider myself pretty good at games. I know you do too. I died like 20 times in that last boss fight.
1: I did too. I'm 100% with you on, um, well, for one, yeah, like there was like two or three Rhino, mild spoilers for Miles Morales. Uh, There was the initial fight right at the beginning of the game. And then Then there's the red armor. Yeah, where he's just armored, but it's, very similar it's basically yeah. the same thing um and it wasn't bad but it was like here we go again it's just like a slightly new twist on it but i'm with you on the tinker fight i didn't like it um yeah it dragged on into phase after phase and then one of the latter one of the latter phases i was like i'm not sure how to hurt her right now and it took. it's the one where to. you're
0: in the big room right and she keeps jumping yeah. away yeah exactly yeah,
1: exactly yep uh we had that the same
0: it's overall still really enjoyed the game Um, but also to that point, because there weren't as many boss fights, the rhino double fight felt lackluster and then her fight felt lackluster because there wasn't, I couldn't say, Oh, that fight wasn't good. But what about this other fight? It was so great. So I think it kind of hurt itself because it was so short and there wasn't a whole lot, you know, which is weird. I didn't expect that. Um, there was some weird story stuff too of like his mom finds out he's Spider-Man and that's like a (laughs) two minute segment. She doesn't even freak out. (laughs) <laughs> like there's no clarity there. It's just like, yeah. okay, my kid's Spider Man. My husband just died being a hero. Like there was no nothing. She just there. went with it.
1: Yeah. To to be fair, I did like the moment. Um, I can't remember exactly how it went, but they they had something going on where like obviously his dad. Um, like, spoilers for the first Spider Man game. It's hard to talk about this without it, but like his, obviously his dad dies. Um, saving uh the mayors I don't remember exactly how it went out actually, but his dad dies in the first game, right? And so um. They, they, him, and his mom have this conversation about like, you know, like, our, us being like hero is more or less, uh, is kind of outweighs our, our family thing where like, yeah, yeah like she cares about him obviously, but she understands because she's like running for city council or something and her life comes into into danger and like threats against her and stuff and so she understands like he's putting the greater city or at least harlem or whatever like above himself and his family so i think she kind of gets it but even still i think you're right where it felt like it kind of was a quick scene of Came her and went, yeah yeah <laughs> uh and it, i
0: think it hits a little more because we didn't get that moment with peter because he's been spider-man for so long so this was like the moment of like your family finds out what happens And I think the issues aren't related to its scope. Like, I don't think it's inherently bad because it's a shorter game. I think it's inherently bad because it had to meet launch. So they wanted to make sure people felt there was value in the game. And I think that's where a lot of the issues were kind of pretty prevalent. Um, Other than that, a lot of the writing was dope. A lot of representation. I love the representation of the deaf girl, who I wonder if that's gonna be a future love interest. Uh, Obviously the Latino representation uh, I loved the museum where spoilers, yes. Peter oh. and uh, Otto Octavia oh, yeah. show up and they have a conversation, <laughs> which is super cool. Uh, the game overall was really neat. For me, I hope that the game either A, has a bigger scope next time and is equal to the Spider-Man game, right? In terms of scope and everything going in, in it. Or B, they don't have to rush it out for some arbitrary ass reason. And they can make it a smaller scope quality game. Like, like I said, scope isn't the issue with this game. It's that the scope in relation to the issues I had made the scope feel worse. If that makes sense. Um, I'm glad you you saw a lot of the same issues of like the her finding out and all this similar stuff with the boss. Yeah. Because I was like, am yeah. I just being <laughs> like n- negative? You know what I mean? Because that sometimes you have to think about that. Of like, am I being a hater just to be a hater? Like, am I in a bad mood while I'm playing this game? Am I seeing things incorrectly? Um, so when you hear from other people, it's like, Oh no, I saw a lot of the same issues. Once again, though, speaks to the quality of this game is I had all those problems and I still enjoyed all of it. So good. Um, I love the new powers being able to turn invisible yes. was dope. The electric yeah. punches. My only problem is they shouldn't have named it venom strikes because for people who aren't familiar with like Marvel and stuff, it can get confusing of like, wait, so is he like part symbiote? Is he like, how is he connected to venom? Which it has nothing to do with it. He's just bioelectrically enhanced, you know? Um. But yeah, had a good time with it. Don't know where it ranks on my game of the year list, which we'll get into at the end of the month, but yeah. Not better than Spider-Man uh regular Spider-Man, but really enjoyed it.
1: What did you think cuz we talked briefly about the post-credit scene and I was like kind of like that was lame. What was your opinion? So, on which
0: one are you talking about cuz there was two right? There's the mid-credit scene which is the the Osborn lab and then there's the last cut scene which is what
1: I don't know what it is. I thought it was just the one with the Osborne lab. I didn't know there was a second one.
0: N- the other one's irrelevant. It's like him and Peter okay. talking or something. It's like not, they don't say anything really. of okay. no, I think it's like nothing. The, the last one, the last one should have been the mid credits and the one we're going to talk about should have been the. Okay. end credits. Okay. So the reason that's important is I know from the perspective, you're probably like, okay, we already knew he was in the VAT. Why yeah. is this important for a comic book nerd? Dom, you know that there was a scientist in there and like Norman yelled at him. There was, like, the scientist working, and he's like,
1: you need to get my son out of there now. You know how he, he yelled that? Oh, uh, was that um, was that the Jake Gyllenhaal character? I forget what they call him. Uh,
0: No, that wasn't Mysterio. It's Kirk oh, okay. Connors, who's the lizard.
1: Oh. So he's
0: important for several reasons. One, he turns into the lizard, okay? I know, it's a Around comic book inside. I'm <laughs> Second thing, do you remember at the... This is what it was. The end credit scene was Miles talking to... Peter, and Peter's like, okay, I'm not going to do photos anymore for the Daily Bugle. I need to find a new job. And Miles tells him, hey, you should maybe be a teacher at uh, Empire University, right? The college or whatever that was kind of featured in the main uh, Mm Spider-Man game. And he's like, I don't know if I could be a teacher. And he's like, no, you're great at teaching things, Peter. In the comics, Peter, when he becomes a teacher or teacher's assistant at that university, is working with Kirk Connors. Okay. And that's when Kurt Connors becomes the lizard. So there wow. is some tie in there that's important for comic book nerds. So it did add some value. Okay. That, but to somebody who doesn't know that, I could completely okay. This is like the same cutscene. We already know what's new. I totally yeah. get that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> um But yeah, love my time with it. Is there anything you wanted to mention in terms of what you've been playing? Uh,
1: it's not too long of a list actually, just because um, it's just been a lot of Demon Souls, um, and I platinumed it. And that means that I've now platinumed every Souls game, every From Software Souls game, including Bloodborne and Sekiro, um, which is wild.
0: Like bravo, uh, bravo.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's kind of yeah. And I've actually have still have to go back into Dark Souls 2 and play that DLC because I've never touched it. But nonetheless, Demon Souls.
0: Real quick really, before we get into Demon Souls, best and worst platinum you got in that in all of the From games. Oh, best and worst. Um, damn. You can do hardest and easiest, If that's easier,
1: that's tough too. Yay! Hey, hey, hey. Um, Bloodborne was probably, the chalices, right? And that made it tough. Bloodborne might have been the toughest because I don't, I don't, I didn't use any uh, multiplayer in Bloodborne. Um, okay, which can be a, a crutch for these games, right? If you certain bosses are made a lot easier if you summon uh, other players, right? Bloodborne, I did entirely solo. And especially with the Chalice Dungeon, some of those bosses, when they cut your health in half um, by default, God, really tough. And I remember I spent so much time trying to beat those, those damn things. Uh, Sekiro, also really tough. It's either Bloodborne or Sekiro, actually. It's one of those two. Um, what I found was, in all of the Dark Souls games, uh, a lot of the bosses are more easily exploitable. Um some people call it like cheesing them, or you know, using because there's more RPG elements, more powers and abilities and things you can do. Um, it's, it can be it's easier to find different strategies to beat the boss, right? Whereas in especially Sekiro, it's like one-on-one combat. There's only one way to do it. You just have to have the reflexes, right? Um, there's no way around it. You just have to get good. There's no there's no like alternative path. I think Sekiro might have been the hardest man. As I think back to you know uh, the Owl fight and Genichiro and, and some others. I think Sekiro is probably the hardest.
0: I, I wanted maybe someday we can sit down and do a list on the podcast of the points of no return in those games of like... So for Bloodborne, it's Father Gascon yeah. of like, this is where you, the people either continue or don't. I think in Sekiro, I would say the bull fight is probably the point of no return. I think that could really? frustrate a lot of people. Yeah, it's the most obtuse like weird fight. It's like, you have to like dodge this bull and like visceral it or whatever they call it in Sekiro um just because it's so weird maybe the fight before that this the guy on the the rider maybe I don't know it'd be a fun conversation anyways you were talking about uh, demon souls
1: yeah um so like in demon souls for example like if you start out as a mage and you invest in magic like you're gonna breeze through most of that game and all the bosses can be really easily exploited or most of them at least um it has the typical stuff where you need a couple playthroughs and you know get all the spells and miracles and all that kind of stuff. But, um, like, there's a, this is probably my least favorite game in the series. Um, oh, well. next, next-gen polish and technical achievement aside, right? Because those, it, it's a, it's outstanding. It controls well. It feels incredible. It it's looks beautiful. amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, after that, though, the, it's mostly... And this is coming from someone who's played every other game in the series before playing this one, which is the very first one. So naturally, there's things that they learned from this game and each subsequent game that they improved on. So it's kind of unfair to give it the, some certain critiques, you know, but um, yeah. they're there nonetheless. It is what it is. So as a remaster, it's an, it's an amazing game. But as, like, the original Demon Souls game, it has, uh, at, at least by today's standards, a lot of flaws uh, compared to the other games. Like, again, like, a lot of the bosses are easily exploited, the level design isn't really up to par compared to pretty much every other off game, except maybe two, Dark Souls 2, but um, I, had a lot, I, I had a heck of a time with it. Um, it's still a lot of fun. The best, they're the worst. Dark Souls, the worst from software game, is better than ninety nine percent of other games that come out. So, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, yeah. Well, and you'd yeah. hope that it isn't
0: the best game for them because you would hope they would learn it get better, right? Exactly.
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I think that's really. I mean, I went back into Control because I want to play that. I've been playing that DLC and a few other small things, but primarily, so even since we last talked, even though it's been like a month or whatever, it's pretty much just been Demon Souls.
0: The interesting thing, too, we didn't talk about this earlier with the Hogwarts legacy delay. Jason Schreier came out and tweeted. He's like, he quote tweeted, he said, the first of many, many 2021 game delays. So this might be a year in which COVID didn't really see the effects of, uh, sorry, 2020 didn't really see the effects of COVID because a lot of games are already kind of set in stone, right? But I think now we're going to see what work from home did to project timelines and all of that and i think this we could see a year where the first half is pretty sparse people won't they'll they won't avoid releasing in fall because like that's where all the money's made in the games industry but this first half of the year we could definitely see a drought and we could barely see a couple of games i think the only game i'm interested in so far in the first half of the year that we know with the release date is little nightmares 2 and resident evil village doesn't have a date yet
1: correct correct
0: Yeah, so it's like the only game I'm really looking forward to. Uh, If Hitman 3 gets high enough scores, I might jump in. But, like, it's pretty barren out there right now in terms of what to look forward to. So we'll see what happens. Once again, early year, we can see a bunch of announcements happen in the next coming weeks on Nintendo Direct or something. Who knows? Um, Anyways, that's been it for this week's show. Can't wait to see what happens on our fantasy draft, Dom. Um, Excited for all this Lucasfilm game stuff. Can't wait to see what comes of it. Those of you listening out there, if you can, please follow us on YouTube, search Controlled Interest, will pop right up. Like the video if you enjoy it, hit the bell notification so you know when we upload new videos, and leave us a comment in the video so we can uh, chat about video game opinions, let us know what you think of Lucasfilm Games, and all the other stuff where we messed up in our draft. On Twitter, you can find us collectively at C T R L I N T. that's Controlled Interest. Uh, abbreviated, you can follow me individually at jared underscore, you can follow Dom at Dom's Oreos. And one thing I started in 2021, we're going to have an Instagram account. Pretty much just going to be posting, uh, you know, uh, images for the episodes and maybe some other stuff if me and Dom have any ideas. But I created it, started it. So, if you're more of an Instagram than Twitter person, we're going to have that up so you can follow whenever a new episode comes out as well. So, definitely check that out. Uh, I don't think there's anything else. Next week will be interesting, Dom, if we get any more crazy announcements. Because, like we said, we got Indiana Jones and a Ubisoft Star Wars game this week. And... Who knows if we get some set dates next week, some heartbreaking delays. If you're wondering why we didn't talk about the cyberpunk apology, it's because no, Uh, (laughs) I didn't want to talk about it. They don't get a, you know, they don't get to apologize and be done with it. Uh, We'll see what happens there. Anyways, that's been it for this week. Yeah, lame. Uh, Domino, catch you then. See you guys on the other side.